righty, welcome in another edition of the 35th in Jackson podcast. We took a week off, but we're coming back stronger than ever. I'm your host, Andy, joined as always by Con and Brot. That's Connor Payton Taggart and Ethan Eugene Brot. Sometimes we call Ethan Brian Brot, whatever we feel like on the show. So just know that's all the same person. But we got a special edition coming to you, coming fresh off signing day for Oregon State, signing day 2020. Uh, I think we all kind of feel the same. It's kind of a gross time of year where we care about what teenagers are doing for their collegiate future. Um, but it's a it's a part of it. You got to you got to grit your way through it. So we'll cover that. There is some exciting news. I do like what Coach Smith is doing. Uh, we're going to talk uh, about the basketball team, see where they're at, and we are going to do a little highlight of the new incoming president, F. King Alexander. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit about that, full full slate for you. <laughs> um, but before we get going, of course, I want to start off by thanking this week's sponsor. This week's show is brought to you by Creepy Teen Recruiting Services. Wondering if your team will ever take the next step in the modern world of recruiting? Starting to doubt if the coaching staff is willing to worship the ground teenage boys walk on? Hate that 16-year-old children aren't tweeting that they're humbled and blessed to receive their 147th offer from your school? Fear not. Creepy Teen Recruiting Services has you covered. For a small fee of living rent-free in your basement, CTRS will send you a certified expert in prepubescent athletic scouting. Starting as early as 8th grade, our scouts will locate talent and spend the next five years following them everywhere. School, practice, camps, official and unofficial visits, birthday parties, and more. All with the intent to funnel them to the school of your choice. For an extra fee of a day-old ham sandwich, our scouts will turn that lesser star your team just signed into a bona fide four-star, according to one unverified online recruiting service. So if you want the best kids to end up at your school, there's only one place to turn. Creepy Teen Recruiting Services. Thank you so much. Happy to have them on board, especially for this signing day special. Thanks, uh, Andrew. Buddy Gary yeah, and the Thunder. <laughs> yeah, I think Thanks. I think so. Buddy G might come out, so you never you never know where that guy's going to pop up. Um, but let's let's dive in. Uh, I tasked Con with uh, giving us a little rundown of the signees, so he's just going to kind of say a name, what they do. And uh, we'll we'll add in comments as we see fit. So, Con, take it away. Awesome. And, you know, we apologize out there. I know all the recruits are listening because we're a creepy teenage uh, recruiting service as well. So uh, if I butcher your name, you know, don't at me on Twitter, all that kind of stuff. There you go. Disclosure. <clears throat> First, uh, and this is just going to be rapid fire. We're going to comment, like Andy said. And, and I would like to preface this whole thing with, uh, we probably will be doing a position-by-position position breakdown when it comes springtime where we will go in-depth. It will take hours, so it will be broken up into episodes. Um, but we will be going in-depth. So this is just a quick one. Like the guys through, who but keep, we will uh, be. Like the guys who keep um, NCAA football 14 current with modern rosters, like that kind yes. of work? Okay. My, yes, those are my idols. Um, anyways, first – uh, we got Zariah Beeson, wide receiver, 5'11", 195 from Duncanville, Texas. He had 32 offers. Looks like a stud. Excited to have a wide receiver with his yep, speed I, and coming out of Texas. Yes. 
Silas yeah, Bolden, wide receiver, in, in... a 5'8", 150, Rancho Cucamingo. Yes, he's related to Victor Bolden. Hopefully that's all they're related by. Andy, you had something else to say about Zariah? Oh, yeah, real quick on Zariah. I feel like I was pretty excited when I heard that news. Really, a lot of people were high on him. Uh, even, was it Brandon Cooks who said he's legit? And then, was he also... Well, did some places have him as a four-star originally? Yes, many had him as okay. a four-star, yes. Okay, just wondering. Continue. And so Silas Bolden, younger brother of Victor Bolden, uh, wide receiver, 5'8", 150. Mm, very champ-esque, but even bigger. <laughs> Cooper Darling. Um, off- hopefully he runs and jumps. Yes, yeah, hopefully, like he, hopefully he doesn't run and jump. Um, but – Cooper Darling, offensive lineman, 6'4", 310 from Gilbert, Arizona. This is an interesting one, kind of highly recruited, uh, especially on the West Coast offensive line. And, you know, I fear not, Beaver Nation, offensive line, yeah, we're replacing some people, but our best position coach on our staff is on our offensive line. Yes, and he's from my hood down there, here. There you go. Let's go. Tylese Fauga. Offensive lineman, 6'6", 325 from Tacoma, Washington. Uh, had early offers and that stayed there from Oregon and USC. Whaler early on in the process. And then, of course, somehow got downgraded after he was the hottest prospect, according to one creepy recruiting service on Oregon Life. Um, somehow got downgraded, though, and might not be as good as when he had the offers from USC and Oregon. So there we go there. <clears throat> got Ben Goldbrinson, QB, 6'3", 220 from Newberry Park, California. Looks like nice. I know Andy loves him. Maybe Andy share that story that you shared with us about him. Yes, I am very excited for Goldbrinson just because of what I've read about him. Not that I've done a super Everything you find uh, is positive and his – uh, leadership qualities seem to be there. He was a kid um, that had opportunities, you know, like a lot of kids to go to different schools and maybe more markets to showcase their skills and, you know, win a state title and all that. And he wanted to stay with his friends, his kids that he grew up playing Pop Warner with since he, since he was a kid and uh, really turned their program into being competitive, uh, took them into a playoff run and just – some in a game that they seemed overmatched, he just kept fighting and clawing and bringing them back was pretty awesome. Like a 30 yard pass on like fourth down that was called back by a penalty and then just narrowly missed like another one to uh, end the game there. So the guy's just a gamer. He's going to fight claw scratch, but obviously Oregon state sounds like a good fit just with that family aspect, the loyalty aspect. So, um, was originally looking into Cal and then went to uh, was kind of floored by Oregon state with their coaching staff and thought it'd be a good fit for him. So look for him to really develop. I don't know if he's going to be the guy, you know, anytime soon, but maybe develop in a couple years down the road or it's going to be a good addition to that QB room. Brought any thoughts on Big Ben? No, I think uh, we're seeing one of the things I'll hit on in general is they're recruiting for what they want. Um, and a player, the Niner and crew, they know what they want in a QB, someone that makes good 
has a good arm, but also can make some plays with his legs. And I think Ben and our, our next uh, QB, when we talk about him, are both guys that fit the mold kind of like Jebbia. So we, we are seeing what Niner and uh, crew want for their QBs. Yeah, that's a good point, Brad. I would like to point out, it doesn't look like we're trying to go full on dual threat. And I like that because those guys always get hurt. It looks like we're just looking for that escapability and, yeah, those third down and seven scrambles, not a specific read option quarterback, which I really like that because we want to be able to have them pass. I mean, we've seen a lot of QBs super fast, but they can't throw the ball five yards down the field. So echo all those echoes. There we go. Seth Collins. Andy, is your what's wrong with your connection, Andy? Get it, get it going, okay? Uh I know you're on the you have the crappy sponsor this week, but no excuses. Anyways, uh, we got uh, Ron Harge. Uh, he's a DB safety ish. Um, he comes from a JC school. Played at Illinois uh, for uh, I think his whole freshman season, and then transferred out. Um, it's it just great to get some DB uh, depth back there. Look for him to possibly move to safety. Another thing here with them is uh, these safeties and uh, corners are all big dudes all over 6'2", um, have some weight on it. You're seeing Niner likes the guy like Wright. He likes Dakud-style corners, guys that are 6'2 and lengthy. Um, and so we're getting the same mold. Uh, we're recruiting guys that we want that fit our system and are fit the style that they want, not just uh, some fast, highly recruited guy. Niner did mention that on his press conference today, that that is a key piece to have corners over 6'2", so something to look at there. Uh, Alton Julian, DB, uh, I think he's going to be a corner, could be a safety. He's got the got the height, 6'3", 200, and he is also from a JC school, was committed to Colorado, cousin of Nashawn Wright, um, long-haired dude, looks like he's ready to ball out there. Yeah, again, the length and the weight, it's, it's exciting to see that back in the back end of our uh, defense. Shane Cady, outside linebacker. And this guy's actually kind of under the radar. Um, he small town in Hawaii and looks to be kind of that edge rusher, uh, kind of like a Riley Sharp-ish. He, he's, he could turn into that. He, this guy's a little bit smaller, but I, I like a Hawaii product. And he, he you know was all everything Hawaii, so looks like a solid guy up and coming. Sion Lohole, defensive lineman, 6'3", from the Tonga originally, and I think he went to school in California. And he just looks like he's pretty under the radar as far as a kind of a Scott Crichton mold. He's Scott Crichton's size and height and everything. Um, he's kind of that edge rusher, but also just kind of a freak. And he's hasn't played football for that long. I was reading something about his high school coach, and he's like, relentless motor and anytime you hear that from a d-line um player you get excited just because you, you that's that's a huge part of what it takes to be a good d-lineman yeah excited to see what he can do after getting into the system a little bit sounds like he may not have played against the best competition coming from hawaii and then into california but he's got the size and he's got the the strength there and if he's got the the motor put him in the weight room and uh we'll be excited to see what he can do John Miller, inside linebacker, Tualatin, Oregon. Again, under the radar, he committed. I mean, he's our first commit of this class a long time ago. I'm really pumped about these two 
linebackers that we have from Oregon, guys that can come in. And honestly, I think one of them way, but he won't because we're so stacked at that inside linebacker position. But just guys that are solid, care about Oregon State as a program, grew up here, know the tradition, hate the Ducks, the whole deal. Um, and that gets me excited. And John Miller is a three-time defensive player of the year uh, in the Three Rivers League, which is a loaded league. And there is a ton of talent in the past three years that have come, that has come out of that league, D- Division One talent all over the place. Um, especially defensive guys, and he was the three-time player of the year So uh, for defense. So and super impressive, and he's played a ton of positions um, in high school, so he's got that um, athleticism as well. Isaiah Newell, running back, 6'1", 210, Walnut Creek, California. Again, another guy, He Oregon offered him. He had a bunch of offers in there, chose the Beavs. I'm excited for him just sticking with us that entire time. His recruiting seemed to heat up a little bit. And the fact that he's already over 200 pounds, uh, he looks strong. It's exciting. The stable, the stable is just getting restocked again. Yeah. Gross. I like that. I didn't hear anything you said, Andy, but that's okay. Um, Chance Nolan QB six, three JC guy. Number one JCQB um, in the nation. I think he played a Saddleback, um, which has produced actually a lot of good uh, Division One talent. He looks a little thin. I mean, he, he looks like Jebby, honestly. Uh, and I think he's got a chance. I mean, I really like Smith bringing in a guy that just compete. I think he knows, and everybody knows, that Jebby is going to be the guy. He's got the experience. He, he's got the try hard he's got all that kind of stuff um and just everything that smith wants in a qb but i love him bringing in another jc guy and a runner i mean you people forget with jack coletto redshirting that the coletto slash a running qb power package is a part of the beaver offense and actually is a significant part of the offense because they used it so much two years ago um, and look, and they used it a lot in the beginning of the year this year, but it will be um, for short yardage packages next year with Coletto coming off the red shirt. So excited that we get a QB um, that can really be that read option guy if we need him to be maybe as a uh, supplemental role. Yeah, he looked a lot like Jebbia in the, the film I watched. And so it's good to bring him in for if we Jebbia does get hurt, we have the same exact QB in many ways right behind him. We don't need to change the playbook up if anything happens. Jake Overman, tight end, 6'4", 235 from California, Yerba Linda. And he looks like a stud, pass catcher guy. I'm really excited about him. I like the other tight end too, but this guy looks like he can catch some passes. And, you know, he's been an athlete all over the place, hard worker, all that kind of stuff. And I love – I mean, I texted this earlier in our group text, but the the tight end – both the tight ends that we got, both recruited and offered by Oregon – Washington and Utah, uh, three programs that are top programs, but also especially Utah and Washington pump out some great tight ends and have that staple as a tight end in their offense. And so the fact that we took two in this class speaks for itself of the depth that we already have in the, that Niner wants to go that two tight ends almost exclusively in the future, which I really like that change up to the offense um, because you're providing not just the blocking, and the athleticism on the outside, but you're also providing the pass catching and the physicality in the run game. 
Yeah, I think there's another area you see the importance. We took two tight ends in a class. Um, we want bigger guys that can both catch the ball and block. I think both these guys look like they can do that. And it's good to get guys that are bigger like that because I don't know if we have a wide receiver over six foot tall now that Hodgins left. And even all our all our commits, maybe Pope might be taller when we get there. I forget. Um, but they're all under six foot. So we need to bring in those the, the big guys at tight end. Trevor Pope, next wide receiver, 6'2", 170, Tracy, California. Uh, this is my this is my guy in this class uh, that I think is going to be a star on offense. Um, I, my other star on defense is coming up. But I think he's going to be a stud. I mean, he rushed for 800 yards and received 800 – received, no, had 800 yards receiving. Um in high school in one year, which is super hard to do um, at no matter where you are, um, let alone in one season in high school, you know, stud everything um, as far as athleticism. And this will just do it for you. Beaver nation. He is the nephew of Gary Payton senior. Ooh, did not know that. Yes. Hopefully Matt Dolan will put his earmuffs. Um, anyways, Jonathan <laughs> Riley, DB, uh, Kilgore, JC College looks like he's going to be a safety um, as well. Six three, he's got big length, one eighty five. Um, don't have much on him other than looks like he can play right away. Another thing to note on most of these JC guys, I think almost all of them. I think there's two or three that don't have this, but they have three years to play three. There hasn't been a time since I've been a Beaver fan that we've gotten so many JC commits in, in a few different years or transfers that have three years to play. It's always that two or even, you know, uh, the one when they don't qualify. So it really impressed with Smith. And he even noted in, in this press conference, he's not just getting two year and out guys. He's getting guys that can graduate early. Maybe they've played or redshirted at a JC even. Um, and so they have these years of eligibility left, which is huge because it, it kind of takes um, three – it kind of takes a year, basically, for a JC guy to really adapt. If they're an average JC guy, some guys can do it right away, but kind of takes a year to really adapt to get to their full potential. And then that next year, they really, you really see them blossoming. You're like, wow, I wish I had this guy for another year. Well, Niners done it. Yeah, and I like that too because a lot of the growing pains that happen with freshmen, first year out of the house, first year away from their family, on campus, they don't know what it's like to work out exactly. A lot of these JC guys, I mean, the JC route is not easy. You're on your own. You're doing a lot of your own workouts. I mean, last chance you might make it look a little bit more glamorous than it actually is for these guys. They've been through some of the ringer. They're ready to work. They know what it's like to not get their dream, get the D1 scholarship right away. And then if they can do that only in one year to JC, so, so beneficial. Then we got Travis Shippen, D lineman. I think he's going to be a DN 6'3", 290. Um, San Jacinto college uh california uh, i think he's number three jcd ends in the nation looks like a stud can contribute right away he's got the size um and he doesn't look overweight or underweight so he looks right at that edge rusher that and if you haven't noticed the, the beefs kind of are even moving away from dns um they're just getting what, what they're referring to as some d linemen we saw uh whitley play some d end which obviously he has the size for a d lineman but in their 3-4 scheme, it's not, it's not as important for the DNs to be able to get upfield 
as it is just to hold their ground and let the linebackers clean it up. So interesting ad there. Tommy Spencer, tight end, 6'6", 250 from Roseville, California. Uh, looks like a stud blocker. He's got the body. Another tight end to add to our stable that we got now. Look for him to just develop into a stud. Uh, physical freak, and we love that. Junior Walling, inside linebacker, 6'1", 230 from Kaiser. And this is my guy on the defense. Uh, he, I want to say he had almost 400 tackles in high school. Started all four years. Really came on his sophomore year. Hates the Ducks. His dad went to Oregon State. He He's 230 already, and he is not uh, fat. He is thick with muscle. Just a, just a freak on the field. I mean, and if you watch his film – Loves to hit people, and he says it in his interviews. I love to hit people. I love playing defense. Had some options to play running back, um, but says I want I want to play defense. Uh, I love hitting people. Which to see that from an inside linebacker, you're just that's what you want at that position, especially middle linebacker. So he's my guy for this class on defense, um, and he's a local guy. And I just love that middle linebacker from Oregon. There's just something about that gets me going. Gotta love inside linebackers that play running back too. They have some speed. They have that toughness, like you say. They've got the hands for it. That's exciting. Kid's also got a 4.0, if I remember right. He's a smart guy. Uh, excited to get him on the team. And last but certainly not least, uh, Rajon Wright. Uh, I think that's a Rashawn. I, I, again, I apologize. Cousin uh, or brother of Nashon Wright. Highly recruited guy, Oregon offers, uh, tons of offers uh, from Laney College. We know some peeps there. Um, and he's got the length, 6'3", 175. Um, as Phil refers to, Nashon Wright is no waste. This will be no waste 2.0. Um, and he's he, he just has that speed. I think that's the biggest thing I saw from Nashon Wright last year is the speed to recover. Um, we haven't seen that at corner for – I mean, even if you go back to Jordan Poyer, he did not have the elite speed. Uh, Tristan Dekud did not have the elite speed. They had good speed, but they were technicians at their position. Nashon Wright and I'm and Rajon, according to film, just have that stud speed where they can track a guy down even if they get beat. Uh, yeah, that we still want to have them rely on technique and everything, but they can track them down if they get beat, which is awesome. Two other things we have. Yes. Oh. oh, go ahead. I was going to say we have two other guys on the the class, but uh, Joe Quillen, the kid transferred in from Air Force, defensive tackle. I think he might have played offensive line at Air Force or, I don't know, freshman coming over. And then Charles Moore from Auburn, uh, the defensive end, highly recruited kid coming in on this class too. Um, They should be showing up in January as well. Yes, and I joked on Rajon Wright. That one was a big one, so – Wanted to mention that everything Connor said, the length, the speed, and we're not going to have the Wright brothers locking it down. That's a fun uh, thing to think about. So, And I would like to say to that, we're still waiting forward. on Alex Lemone. Uh, looks yeah. like he might be an academic thing. I mean, right. no one really knows that uh, until I hear something from Jonathan Smith's mouth or the guy announces it himself, you know. It'd be nice to have, but at the same time, I think that Charles Moore, as Brock mentioned from Auburn, that pickup makes the 
Alex Lemon, if it if it does not work out, makes that more bearable. And I would just like to point out this is this will be the first guy in three recruiting classes that hasn't qualified uh, for Niner, and that includes JC guys. That includes everybody. So pretty impressive if you ask me, especially with all the transfers they've been getting. Um, and the JC guys, you throw them in there, it's like sometimes it's 50-50. You never know. But this staff has done their research. They do not uh, waste scholarships. I love it. Um, it. It's just all the little things that add up in these recruiting aspects along with the development. The biggest thing, I'll never be worried about recruiting day, stars, whatever, because it's about that development. It's about identifying your needs. And this staff has proven they can do that. I mean, you look at how many young contributors we've had. Omar Spates kind of went under the radar uh, because he transferred to Crescent Valley High and everybody kind of wrote him off. And he and he should have been the freshman defensive player of the year in the Pac-12. It's just a fact. I mean, I think he had 80 tackles and he's just a stud on the field. And then you see guys like Josiah Irish that was a late ad in Smith's first class. He's going to be coming on soon. Um, and you see all the other young guys, John McCartan, Matthew Tago, Avery Roberts transferred in, you know, these guys at linebacker and on defense. And you even see some of the young corners. They got promise and were identifying the needs and filling them right away with guys that, again, may not be the three. I mean, look at Jamar Jefferson. I think he was a three-star mediocre, you know, but Andrew Nemec likes to take credit for it. He said he would be amazing. Oh, cool shot in the dark. Awesome. You, you got one right. So – you're, you're looking at all this and I'm just I'm looking at this class and I feel happy and I feel most positive about just the details. And the thing of is the qualifying of this class, the early enrollees as well. Um, it's huge. Exactly. I was going to say this is not one of those where we have to worry. Are they going to show up? Are they going to qualify? Is this another true Thompson? Is this another Christian Wallace? Is this another Craig Evans? None of that. We know these guys are showing up. They're, they're taking care of business. We're recruiting guys that take care of business at high school that can graduate early and can enroll early. That is huge. I think over maybe half this class is enrolling early, nine or 10 of the guys. That includes some JC guys as well that are going to be on campus in January. They're going to be a part of the spring workouts, the winter workouts, the spring practice. That's just such invaluable time in the it just shows that Niner and the crew do their homework. They know the guys that are, are willing to put in the work that are willing to show up and work hard. They fill the needs of the positions that they're recruiting. They fill the needs of whatever offense or defense we're going to be running the schemes we're going for. We're not just chasing guys. We're not just trying to throw darts at it. We're not inflating the class to improve, improve our rankings with some four or five star guys that just don't show up. I mean, even with all that, we're still, I think eighth in the pack 12 this year in, in rankings is top 40 top 50 class for us um, overall. I mean, we need to be probably a top 40 or better class overall to compete, but we need to, those guys to always show up that are, are fitting our system are willing to work hard, are going to get developed because the crew is going to coach them up. We've seen them coach up numerous guys. And I just look at Utah. I look at Wazoo, some of those other programs, they know what they're recruiting. They know the players they want and they know how they want them to fit into the system. And their classes are never top 40, but they're top of the Pac-12 North quite often. And they win the Pac-12 North. And so that's what we need to do. And that's what I think the, the crew here is doing right now. It's exciting to see. Don't need to get all in the hoopla. As we always say, the most important thing, you can't count a kid here until he actually shows up. Until a kid is on campus in class and at practice doesn't matter if he signed a letter we don't have to worry about that in, anymore though yep well said I, I like all of your guys's 
thoughts there. Couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, but that's at the end of the just kind of a parade and a little dog and pony show out there. It doesn't they're on campus. Uh, but again, just echoing what you guys said, this, this staff is going to recruit to their needs, to their fit. Um, and, you know, you can talk about, talk about the players and recruiting rankings, all that, but really the most important is the culture. Um, so that's, that's the big one. And I think that's what they're leaning on here is culture and development. And they're going to go out. Excited to see what they can do with them. Apologize to our um, seven people move on because Andy sounds like he's having a stroke on the phone. So apologize for that. I'll go back and listen to the recording. <clears throat> it will be fine. Um, okay, so we're gonna move on now. Um, we're gonna we're gonna transition real quick. Um, we're gonna highlight some things about um, since we missed last week. Talk about the Pac-12 bowl games real quick. Not really talk about them. Just let you know what's going on. Obviously, Oregon qualified for some game in L.A. I don't even know what that is against Wisconsin. Um, Alamo Bowl is, is Utah um, versus Texas. A Holiday Bowl, you got SC in Iowa. Red Box, um, Callan, Illinois. Tony the Tiger, Sun Bowl, ASU versus FSU. And Vegas slash Chris Peterson Bowl is Washington versus Boise State. Cheese it. Air Force. There you go. There's the Pac-12 lineup. We'll talk about that um, down the road, but that's what's going on bowl-wise. Friend, we are back as our friend Andy. He had a stroke, so he might tune in um, randomly. Um, if you can't hear him, it is not our fault, uh, but he he might have a stroke, so who knows? Uh, he, he's like he's talking through one of those little robotic things that helps you talk or whatever, and he's saying it in, and then it's trying to repeat <laughs> it. <laughs> Anyways, um, but one thing that he highlighted, Chris Peterson bowl game. Uh, it's just what college football is about. I, I love that it came it came all the way around, that Chris Peterson's going to be coaching UW, his last game at UW uh, against his first team, Boise State, um, and who just lost their O coordinator actually, to Arizona State. And, uh, Brad, what else are you looking for in, in these bowl games, either Pac-12 or anything else, or what do you think? Um, I'm going to watch a little bit of the Holiday Bowl with SC in Iowa, just the, the dumpster fire that is Helton right now down there. Their fans are pissed off. What's going on? OC was getting recruited to whatever job it was, I forget. He turned down finally, came back against Iowa, a Big Ten team that likes to run hard. I mean, uh, SC's got the players. They're good. I'm excited to see what they can do, but what happens with the turmoil? That's the thing with a lot of these bowl games. Coaches are gone. Coordinators are gone. People are moving on. You never know uh, what is going to transpire with the players and with the practice beforehand. Yeah. And uh, it it is a bummer as Oregon State missed out on the bowl game very close um, this year. Uh, (laughs) Andy's actually uh, giving us some – some updates. He's on the line, but he's just texting. <laughs> we got to mention the camping world. The- <laughs> they mention- a picture, yeah. and it was just crates and crates and crates of bush beer. I mean, if that's not exciting, if that's not college football, I don't know what college football is. Uh, I'm excited for that, and I haven't drank bush beer in 10 years. <laughs> I prefer natural light, but yes. Um, but anyways – 
moving on, you know, we see these bowl games and we'll probably talk more about them in the coming weeks or even maybe a recap or a Christmas uh, post Christmas special or something like that. Um, but now we're getting into Beeb's got a new president. Um, and yes, you heard it right. <laughs> 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 We have, we have <laughs> we King Alexander, and you can say that the way you want to say it, but it is F King Alexander. Uh, he's coming from LSU. <laughs> <laughs> it's fast. <laughs> you don't know much about presidents at other universities. I don't know. I can tell you the president. Is. Oh. President is UW. So we did some research on him. Um, I, the first thing you see is just the Twitter update on the advocate, which is the paper down there announcing that he's leaving. I think the next 40 replies to the report that President uh, F. King Alexander is leaving. <laughs> just happiness. I don't know what it is, but LSU was happy that he was leaving. <laughs> no, most of them were sports related. There was a petition, uh, change.org petition him to leave and it's hilarious we were just upset everything had happened to the academic or i mean to the athletic department there the ad of the store they were doing some things that they weren't happy about hiring people they didn't let's read the comments because these are three years ago when uh less miles left they were clamoring for herman every comment is there about how they didn't offer herman enough Six million a year for Herman, Herman this, Herman that. And instead we hired Ed Orgeron. Who is Ed Orgeron? I don't want Ed Orgeron. He's on the toilet. Sports suck everything here. I wonder what these fans are saying now. As, a, as Ed Orgeron, Heisman Trophy winner. I mean, they're in the college football playoffs. They're just doing us. Um, the other reason for him to leave, and they were excited for it, it's the South, um, if you're even slightly left-leaning, I guess, they uh, just absolutely hate you down there, uh, supposedly. And I guess he's a little leaning on some uh, on some things, according to the comments. I can't confirm that. Uh, overall, on the academic side, is King Alexander's into affordable education and ensuring people get it. together. Well, I just like to say, um, I'd like to ask him (laughs) if his baseball coach and us owning his baseball team. But then I'd also like to, I really, really want to hear a clip of Ed Orgeron trying to pronounce his name. I want to hear oh, look for, for President Alexander uh, to expand education. Um, we may disagree on how he's going to be fighting for more money from the government towards uh, higher education. Uh, he does like that Oregon increase of like 12% over the next few years to higher education. Um, but I also think uh, Alexander, this is a sports podcast. Let's not get into too much of it, but uh, he's going to have to look at ways to ensure uh, education is affordable for people and get students here in Oregon State University. We are Oregon State. We want us to be the best university in the state, and we want local kids to attend our university. So, um, yes, new president. We it's just, we just really wanted to give the uh, Successful uh, sports program. And so 
he's going to be the one of the bad things about Larry Scott, or I mean, um, Ed Ray was he's uh, just friends and a staunch supporter of Larry Scott. And right now, uh, if you've paid attention to anything sports related, Larry Scott is not doing the best things for uh, Pac-12 football and promoting the brand, uh, the direct TV and deals with Pac-12 network is just not well. We're not getting the financing that other um, universities, <coughs> other conferences are. And so we have a turnover of like three or four presidents in the last two years, <coughs> Pac-12 universities who will fight for uh, athletics to be at the forefront. Um, they drive the economic uh, footprint and we need that viability. And so uh, look for some, some uh, battles with uh, Larry Scott to be coming in the next few years on that. And uh, what we do care about is that King <laughs> supports football and he has um, um, proven that <laughs> at, at his university and as well as the baseball um, and I'm just, it's, it just is refreshing to see a new direction um, for Oregon State with what Brock mentioned. I mean, I don't really care about the education. I just care about the sports. So uh, that's kind of irrelevant. But good day, new day for Beaver Nation. And, uh, again, I want to see, we'll, we'll let you guys know about a clip, <laughs> <laughs> about a clip um, from Ed Orgeron trying to pronounce F. King. We'll, we'll, we'll post that out to you guys. <clears throat> um, so moving on, um, we got, oh, oh, men's basketball. You want to touch on that, Brad? I don't talk about that. Yeah, yeah. I've, uh, I've been in attendance. I've done my uh, due diligence hike or walking down to Gill and attending these games. Uh, the basketball team, nine and one, having won today down in uh, Houston in the whatever 2K919, not a tournament tournament thing that we do, it seems like. Um, they won against a bad Roadrunner team. They only won by 10. Trace kept up his double-digit scoring, which was at risk because he only scored 11. The team's looking overall better as Ethan plays. Uh, I mean, obviously, Trace is the best player. Kelly's going to show up. <laughs> but as Ethan plays, the, the, the team goes. Ethan's been playing really well lately. He had 23 today, and Kelly had 23 today as well. Um, he's a difference maker for us. He played all 40 minutes today, actually. Um, I don't like seeing him and Tinkle play all those minutes. Um, also, the guys that are stepping up right now is Jared Lucas. I liked seeing him in person. He's got such a quick release. He is not afraid to shoot. Obviously, he's got the green light. Um, Gianni Hunt does amazing defense every time. Uh, he's still learning to play a place. His uh, ball spring is less than stellar at times. Um, I'd like to see Sean Miller more. He's got the athleticism to, to contribute more, but he seems to just be making some boneheaded mistakes. Um, Juco guy that's going to get into the rotation. So overall, this team should enter Pac-12 play at 11-1, mm, and 10-2 and two if they lose the game at A&M. Um, and the Pac-12 is not that great. So this is exactly where they should be. I, I, they should come out on conferences 10 and two. There's no doubt about it. They've had an easy non-conference. Um, the real test will come in January when we start Pac-12 play. Um, the team's going to have to look at getting at least uh, nine and nine, 10 and eight in Pac-12 play to make the tournament at bare minimum because there's no respect for the Pac-12 basketball. Um, and so with that, That'd be 20, 21 wins, and that's the the very lowest mark that we need to get into into postseason play. But we'll take it a weekend at a time. 
Yeah, and, you know, Andy's texting on the hotline here uh, that Holland starts but scores three points. Yeah, Holland has been one of those inconsistent guys, and I think I think it boils down to Wayne's coaching style. I don't think he fits with Wayne's coaching style at all, a.k.a. not coach. Uh, so it's tough to for him because he seems like he has all the tools. He just needs a guy that can help him put it together fundamentally, and Wayne is the opposite of that. Um, but anyways uh, – also, UTSA, Utah State beat them by 32, according to Andy, um, which is pretty embarrassing. And I would like to say I, I got a text about Trey – or I don't know if you guys sent this to me or – no, I saw this on Twitter, that Trace had four fouls pretty early in the game. He played 17 <laughs> um, minutes. That's why. And so, you know, we see that we don't have a coach's son playing, and, you know, you see what happens. We almost lose to UTSA. So, you know, I don't know why I'm even talking about Beaver basketball men's right now. Let's move on to women's, the real team, 9-0. I'm going to tie a best start in uh, program history. Rook's got it going. Um, and you can see these two posts really maturing. Uh, they have three top 25 wins already. <clears throat> um, and they, they beat DePaul at home. Missouri State at home, which is actually an incredibly good mid-major. <clears throat> And they're in the top 25. And then Miami, at Miami, they, they actually dominated them. They beat them by 20. Um, and so you're just seeing a complete team. They got the guard play. They got the post play. I'd rather have young posts <clears throat> than young guards um, and have those senior guards be able to carry those young posts. Because when you're 6'6 six, six and you're, you play women's basketball and you have that skill, you're, you're going to have an advantage no matter what. Um, and Andy made a good point on the text line that's not able to bring up. Do not say excellent, that. excellent point on the text line. Oh, broad, I've said worse. Um, but um, it, it's a good point that we have a low amount of um, people on the team. So in some way, but anyways, moving on. Can I go one more uh, thing on the Beaver basketball thing? Attendance. If it's women's, yes. If it's men's, no. Uh, the men's attendance at Houston Toyota Center uh, was 712 player, uh, people for the game. Yeah, 712 <laughs> people in the Toyota Center. That seats probably 19,000 people. Ooh, that I, also, hurts. I also would like to say that uh, we, the Beaver men's team will not beat Texas A&M. At Texas A&M, we couldn't even beat them here last year. And they were a horrible team last year. So we'll be 10-2 going into Pac-12 play with but anyways, uh, moving on, uh, moving on uh, <laughs> what do we got left right we're off the rails now nah, we don't what, have what we got with us i think that's it i mean it's time for you to do your best uh here with our uh our sponsor yeah so i did think i mean i didn't know who was running the creepy teen recruiting services uh when they approached us about um <laughs> the the sponsor first i thought it was andrew nemick but then yeah i thought that it might be efting <laughs> we got a part, as a partnership with nemick so anyways <clears throat> here we go uh remember uh to get a sponsor on the show too it's a high price uh all these sponsors it's a it's a doggy dog battle out there um and, and we're just trying our best here to uh to really put up the best sponsors we can that will affect your daily lives and help you out. So here we go. Creep, this show, it was sponsored by Creepy Teen Recruiting Services. 
wondering if your team will ever take the next step in the modern world of recruiting, starting to doubt if the coaching staff is willing to worship the ground teenage boys walk on. Hate that 16-year-old children aren't tweeting that they're humbled and blessed to receive their 147th offer from your school. <clears throat> Fear not, Creepy Teen Recruiting Services has you covered. For a small fee of living rent-free in your basement, on <laughs> that rhyme, CTRS will send you a certified expert in prepubescent <laughs> athletic scouting. Starting as early as eighth grade, our scouts will locate talent and spend the next five years following them everywhere. School, practice, camps, official and unofficial visits, birthday parties, and more, all with the intent to funnel them to the school of your choice. For an extra fee of a day-old ham sandwich, our scouts will turn that lesser-known three-star your team just signed into a bona fide four-star recruiting to one unverified online recruiting service. So if you want the best kids to end up at your school, there's only one place to turn, Creepy Teen Recruiting Services. Thank you. So <clears throat> I just like to give a big shout out to them. And as always, Mario's a fraud. Um, and it, uh, no one game will change that opinion of mine. He is still a fraud. And um, maybe Marcus Arroyo was half a good offensive coordinator because he got a coaching job. But Mario just couldn't um, figure it out with him. So anyways, Mario's a fraud. Any last comments? Andy, I know you're still on the line. Maybe say something. and But anticipate it will cut out. So give a little pause in between. <laughs> Nope. Okay. We lost him. Go Badgers. He paused the whole time. Got it. Okay. (laughs) Go Badgers. Um, I know something he can say with a pause. Starts with an F and ends with a King. (laughs) Anyways, (laughs) there you go. Thanks all. (laughs)